What's up, everybody? My name is Jacob Deaton, and welcome back to another episode of Southern Wedding Professionals. And today, I have the wonderful, the fabulous Megan Mark with Events by Eva. So, Megan, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm alive in a, in a uh, COVID world that we live in. I am surviving and somehow convincing myself mentally that I'm thriving. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think considering everything that's been going on, I think we're doing pretty okay. Yeah, so I mean, it seems like everybody's still kind of working. It seems like everybody's still kind of, uh, you know, getting along and, um, and, and just handling the situation as best they can in their own circumstances. But before we get too deep with all that, Tell us a little bit about you and your business. Uh, yes, so I started Events by Eva in the beginning of 2020, so pretty much going into all the COVID craziness. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so a little kind of, I guess you could say it's kind of a weird time to start a wedding planning business, but I guess the unknowns um, kind of give room to grow and I think really learn and jump into it right off the bat, um, probably gaining experience that I wouldn't have had I started it, you know, five years ago or so. Um, so yeah, that's a, it's, we're a new company, um, to the Chattanooga area. And I started my work experience previously was working in a lot of concert planning, festival planning, charity event planning, um, and also marketing as well. Um, and I did some artist management. So I worked primarily in the music industry um, and a lot of the skills are really applicable to the running the show part of wedding planning, negotiating when you can negotiate with vendors. Some are more negotiable than others, but um, it, a lot of it was really transferable. And I kind of really enjoy the part where you get to focus on design, but also, you know, be the person who's running the show. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so cool. That, like your background is so diverse. Uh, I really honestly can't wait to unpack that. Um, before we do that though, tell me a little bit about um, the specific um, like packages and type of planning that your company does. Yes, yeah, so we have three standard packages that we offer, but we also do customized packages as well. So we have, um, I kind of named them somewhat, I guess you could say typical wedding phrases. So something blue, something borrowed, something new. And so one of those is our day of coordination package, which is really almost almost two months where I start gathering all the details before. That really starts at eight weeks before your wedding date, where I send out clients a questionnaire to give me all this information so that I can start on their timeline and start gathering information to start doing all the management and logistical aspects that um, needs to be done with each vendor. Um, so that's, I would say, our lowest tiered package of the standard three packages. Then we do a partial planning package um, where we I'm the person who's kind of handling all the negotiations and availabilities with up to four vendors. And it, that is kind of just added on from the day of coordination package. Um, it kind of ends up being 
more than four vendors sometimes. It kind of depends. Um, that package is usually chosen de dependent on kind of where a client is in their wedding planning process. Sure. Um, and then full planning, it's, it kind of varies, but it, it's really everything and anything that you kind of want me to be as involved in or not involved in. Sometimes people like to book full planning and they might want to handle one vendor on their own. Um, but usually it's if you have a venue and everything else needs to be booked or if you need um, more help with your design, both partial planning and full planning include budget management and help with design as well of the right. overall event. Um, day of coordination does not include budget planning or design of the full event. Right. Um, that's more of managing what you've put together. Um, and on occasion, there will be couples who come to me without having picked their wedding venue, but more often than not, most people have booked their wedding venue before signing on to full planning right. so yeah that seems to be the thing that everyone books first is the venue and then they start looking into all of their vendors right that's interesting to me um you know like everybody that offers day of coordination always it always ends up coming out at some point that it's never just day of it's always mm -hmm. like the day of is like kind of a uh, misleading term, I guess, right? It's always yes. a month or two months in advance or, you know, or however far it goes, you know, uh, yeah. you know, for, for persons providing the service. Yeah. Um, and it also, day of coordination too, there's so much work. The more DIY, the more work it ends up really being um, the day of too. So I like to bring someone else with me to help with all the setup running the show tear down because it's usually very quick um and so you know that covers that as well on occasion someone will still want me to do it and they don't want to pay that full day of coordination package and sometimes i will create a custom package that you know is just me is more for the sake of running the show might help with setup tear down but if you have a lot of bridal party and family members or extra people who are willing and able to help that morning of and don't need to get ready, then there's more wiggle room because then I don't need to hire somebody else to come do that date. So, um, yeah. That's great. I mean, um, thinking about some of the things that make you unique um, is what you mentioned in the very beginning. And so many people that I know get into this business and you know it's either they go to a wedding and then they're like i want to do that that looks like a fun job to do and you know they find out all the hardships to go with that but you know as far as like that romantic idea and actual reality um but like your background is really deep in planning and um and coordination and being able to handle in a variety of circumstances and vendors and such tell us kind of like how you got to here, but also kind of highlight along the way, you know, those things that you learned along the way in each one of those sort of jobs that you had. Cause they're, I mean, they're also, mm -hmm. they're also unique, but they're also very, um, they're, they're very much linked together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I will say to a certain extent, I was someone who planned, um, 
I planned my own wedding. I did have um, someone who did like month of coordination. Um, and I will actually even say that I spoke with her before I even picked a venue um, because I thought it would be smart to pick somebody's brain who's worked at the two venues I was between um, and get their thoughts. Um, yeah, so I mean, even let's say you're someone who's not looking for a full wedding planner or partial wedding planner, you still could get some help going into it by even just talking to a wedding planner and doing a consultation before you even book the venue. Because a lot of times what it, this is kind of slightly off topic of the question, but a lot of times what I'll see is someone will have booked a venue, added on certain add-ons, and they only have X budget and they don't really know what is realistic in terms of what things cost. And I think that that's something that could help someone better choose a venue or package at a venue that makes the most sense for their budget. Um, and I think have real, realistic expectations of what they're getting themselves into. Um, so that's one thing, even if you're not booking partial or full planning, I, I do recommend at least trying to have a conversation and pick someone's brain about all the moving pieces before you commit to anything. Um, but back to your question. So I was partially someone who I did do that. I spoke to a planner um, and I did hire her for a month of and day of coordination. Um, but I really wanted to be involved in the planning process of my own wedding um, and every little kind of detail, especially the design. I kind of had a, I would say, far from traditional design that I wanted. Um, so I wanted to kind of have the you know, opportunity to be creative with it. And I also had a long lead time to plan as well. Um, but I really just loved the process and a lot of it was so similar to the jobs that I had done before. Um, there was, there's one other local planner who had mentioned something to me once that she said, um, we can only be as organized as our brides are as well when it comes to especially day of coordination. Um, and I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind as I'm about to talk about some of the next things, um, especially with day of coordination, the more uh, communicative and more overly communicative you are, the better your wedding is going to go. Um, when you know, it's voiced that there isn't a flower list provided from the florist or provided from the bride or groom. We don't know what to do with those things. And usually those things are, you know, placed by the florist. Um, if there's not a conversation of these are all the things that we want to set up, we have this guest book, all those sorts of things, the layout that we create is not going to be right. Um, or there might not be enough tables, things like that. So to the question of how the previous jobs that I had would or were applicable to this profession, a lot of what it taught was to think of every single thing that could go wrong and how could you best prevent, prevent it because it is going to go wrong. Um, uh, <laughs> and, and by that, like, I mean, like, you know, you're booking, um, a, you know, back in the music industry, booking a tour um, and you've got X crew flying in and they're landing at one in the morning, which means they're not getting to the hotel at three in the morning, which technically most hotels will 
give that hotel room away even after you've called them 10 times and after you've paid in full in advance, all those sorts of things, it will happen even if you've done that. So just kind of prepping for the things that do go wrong. And I think also um, being able to change things on the spot. Um, something I always tell couples um, or brides, whoever it is that I'm speaking with, um, the timeline is a guideline. It always changes. Rarely does it not change. And a lot, I think, of the skill of the running the show part of a wedding is like for me at this point, I know what the timeline is and I might check certain things, you know, check who are the names, who are doing toasts, things like that. But at this point, I'm usually, I'm watching the room, I'm doing it on a whim. Is the sunset good right now? Photographer, do you want to go do golden hour photos? Okay, what can we change to make this work? Okay, now we just spent too long doing photos. Are we moving up, cake cutting, all these kinds of things to kind of watch the feel of the room? And what is the timing of all those sorts of things? Just kind of doing it on the fly in the spot. Sometimes it goes pretty according to plan, but mo more often than not, it makes sense, not, not as a negative thing, not because we're running behind, so a lot of the time we are, but sure. to go with what's happening. Are people still in line for food? Um, if that's the case, we don't want to start something right then and there. Um, so really, I think being a problem solver and maneuvering things on the spot. That is a huge skill, and you know, it's just like uh, me. Obviously, I'm a guitar player. You can see by the mm -hmm. guitar behind me. <laughs> but like, um, you know, being able to sing and play and look at a room and being able to read the room and know when it's the right time to play what song, fast, mm -hmm. slow, you know, heartfelt, engaging, energetic, etc. You know, like knowing when to pull those levers. You know, really mm -hmm. makes the night move. You know, and just yeah. like you in your situation, it's the same. Knowing when to flex and knowing when to stay on schedule and, and having that sort of um, vision as to what's coming in the next hour or two or three so that you can um, get everything in and get everything in in the best way possible. Because as you know, yeah. things are always evolving and changing. And when you put 200, 300, 400 people in a room and you've got to somehow move them from point A to point B. It just always seems to take longer than it should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> always. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, let's go back. Let's do the genealogy thing. Let's go back to the very beginning. Um, what was your first uh, job in this uh, music, booking, entertainment um, world? Like, where, where would you say it first started for you? Um, so working in artist management. Okay. Yeah. So I'm originally from Los Angeles. Um, I now live in Tennessee and I moved here almost, I think it was almost a year and a half ago from New York. Um, so I went to University of Southern California in Los Angeles and then I decided to stay there because I really wanted to work in the pop rock world. Um, my dream was always to live in New York, but if you want to work in pop music, you're better off in Los Angeles. So I stayed there for quite some time. Um, and I was working, I started as an assistant at a music management firm that I had actually interned at in New York and then started working um, as a part-time 
paid intern while I was in my senior year of college and kind of just didn't leave until I got hired. Um, but it was honestly, I will still say to date, um, and I definitely owe a lot of this to the boss that I had. It was of any job experience I've had, the best learning experience. And I think the job where in every single position that I had since then, what I learned from her was applicable, is still applicable now. Wow. Um, and it was a great experience because it was like, okay, you do well, you get to take on more responsibility, you get to take on more responsibility. And so, you know, I got to travel because of it, which was fun. And that's where I think the traveling is where I learned a lot more of the stage management part of it and just managing a, an event from behind the scenes because sometimes I'd have to be the tour manager. <laughs> so <laughs> stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it was interesting. I mean, like it would, there was one charity event that I completely planned, like start to finish pretty much for the most part on my own and um you know traveled for some one-offs and stuff like that and you know handled a, a lot of the management and logistics for award shows and things like that so a uh, large scale for a lot of them but some were also much smaller as well so yeah yeah well i mean um so you're doing the artist management thing. You're you, you're interning. You're moving up the ranks, and uh, and you're traveling with these bands, and you're going all over the place doing all the things. And um, so, at what point? Uh, where's the next pivot point from that? Where do you move? Uh, where did you move from that particular uh, moment? In from there. So from there, um, I had taken another artist management job. Uh, but from there, I had also, after that, um, I moved to New York um, on a whim. I always wanted to live there. I was like, I'm just going to do it, figure it out. Uh, I still worked in music. I got a job doing digital marketing. So part of artist management always did involve marketing. You had to be involved in the overall marketing plans. And as much as you were in the, you know, budgeting and touring aspect, you really had to be there for the promoting and, and marketing and entire album campaigns as well. Um, so it was applicable to that position just from a different angle. Um, so I did that in New York. Um, and then, so from there, I started managing an artist independently as well. Um, she's a songwriter and also has her own artist career. So I kind of did that, but being able to do that on my own also is what gave me the opportunity to start this wedding business um, with while not having a full-time job and all those sorts of things that make it kind of hard to schedule and like really put your all into it. So um, yeah, so I actually stopped doing that beginning of 2020, February 2020. So um, yeah, it, it kind of, I, there was definitely overlap between the two, so. Right, so when you, um, so at what point did you decide to relocate to, to Cleveland? Is it Cleveland, Tennessee? Is that where you- Yeah, I'm in Cleveland, yeah. So I'm just a little north of Chattanooga, but yeah, it's not that far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, very, I've driven past there 
a thousand times that have never stopped off the exit, but like. Yeah, there's a lot of, of wedding venues around this area over here. Even like the Chattanooga ones, you go a little bit west and you're in Hamilton County. So that's Chattanooga. <laughs> yeah. And, this, and it's beautiful for people country over there Chattanooga is very underrated as far as its scenery and mm -hmm. overall like beauty and charm and the city has done I've been going to Chattanooga for 17 years and mm. um, from 17 years ago till now it's a completely different city and it's a yeah thriving very fast growing very very energetic city um, a lot of really great people of all kinds um, are flocking there um, you're getting a lot of different um, fusions of things I mean the food yeah off the chain if you're, you're a big foodie um so uh someone you know, told me yeah so <laughs> oh well i was gonna say someone told me um it might have been last year already they told me you know chattanooga is kind of that place where like people who were in austin made austin cool got sick of it because now it's becoming mainstream and then are coming to areas like chattanooga and building up the coffee shops and all that kind of hipster stuff so um, yeah i don't know if you really coffee so i was uh thoroughly impressed um i went to a coffee shop there what was the name of it it was um it had all sorts of greenery it was super cute and pink and uh is it in a like building and it's split yes sleepyhead sleepyhead yeah, that's, a, that's my favorite coffee shop in downtown. It is so, it is so, so cool. Um, uh, and I actually had a meeting there um, and I was totally um, like, I was just like, this is in Chattanooga now? Like, this is like, yeah. <laughs> this would probably be in the top two coffee shops in Atlanta if it was there. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And it's, it's not cheap either. And, you know, I've paid for some, uh, I'm actually not a coffee person. I'm a matcha tea latte person. And I've paid for some expensive ones here and outside of here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, coffee is like the biggest um, markup of all time as far as like what you should be paying for versus what you end up paying for in a coffee shop. But I mean, you know, it's a, it's social, it's experience. It's great. I, and I love Sleepyhead. I thought, shout out Sleepyhead. You are doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> um, totally doing it right. And the espresso was totally on point. Um, so again, you're doing this in New York, you're managing this artist and you're also, uh, you're also kind of doing this, uh, wedding planning thing. Um, and you're starting to get your sea legs on that and, 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 and get moving. Did, uh, what, so what made you choose Chattanooga? Was there like family here or? <laughs> um, so I met my husband in, in New York, um, at work, uh, and, uh, he wanted to start grad school and he actually grew up in Cleveland. And so we were actually between, well, does he go to this school in Atlanta? Do, um, does he go to, the, to Lee University here in Cleveland? And so it ended up being Lee. The long-term plan was eventually to come to this area, but it just made sense at that point to, you know, move then, so. <laughs> I'm very familiar with Lee. I, uh, as a guitarist that also um, works in the wedding <laughs> industry with my business on the side of, of this, um, uh, beyond this podcast, I should say, mm -hmm. I play at a church on Sunday mornings, they hire me to come in and play guitar for them. And mm. they are uh, almost exclusively staffed with lead graduates. Oh, wow. 
Is that in the Atlanta area or? Yeah. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I literally interact with graduates of Lee all the time. Good people. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, um, so you, so you move down here and then you get the ball rolling in 2020. You probably launch your website, you get your marketing game mm -hmm. on point. You are looking at 2020 and it is looking fine. And then. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, knock on wood. Um, I think for me, a lot of what the learning experience this year has been price points doing weddings is a lot of work, a lot of physically exhausting labor. And I think that that's not something that's usually realized until the end of the night. Um, so, you know, I think Chattanooga is a big bridal market, but um, the amount that people are willing to pay for wedding planners versus, you know, another more major city there's definitely a large difference i think um and so i think a lot for me has been figuring out like what is the right price point you know that i'm comfortable with that someone's also willing to pay um so that's kind of been an in the interesting learning experience for me it has moved quicker than I anticipated. <laughs> I thought, you know, I started it, it really was December that I started and I thought, you know, oh, there's not really gonna be any inquiries till the summer, you know, and that was not the case at all. I, right now at the moment, I can't, I can't think of how exact, what is the exact number of weddings that have happened, but I wanna say so far, even even with COVID, I think there's been 13 to 14 weddings that have happened or that I've done so far this year. So great. I mean, so many people I've talked to have not done that many. And some have done, you know, you know, equal that. But still, I feel like mm -hmm. anything that's getting done in this time uh, to keep the wheels on our industry moving is just it's just a win. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really, really crazy. It's, it's really crazy. And in ways it's, you know, some months it's like, okay, there's like, I can't keep up with the inquiries it feels like. And then there's others where I'm like, when am I going to hear some? So it's really, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's like, I, I think part of it's learning like, okay, this is the season for this. This is a season for weddings. This is a season for engagements and booking and all those sorts of things. And um, I, I really like to talk with at least the bride before booking. Um, I really like to be able to talk to them about like, what are the costs you're actually looking at before, you know, they decide on doing full planning, but it makes sense for them to do day of coordination. Um, I want them to know that they can actually do the full picture and still pick something that makes the most sense for them. Um, but I, what I find interesting is it's not, sometimes you'll get inquiries and they're just shopping around for the lowest price they can find. Um, versus like actually doing that free consultation that's offered or phone call and learning what is it that is pricing, you know, this day of coordination package, this full wedding planning 
package at what it is um, to kind of understand the value. So I think the hardest thing about it is being able to communicate the value behind what you're actually paying for. As someone who owns an entertainment company that provides mm -hmm. weddings uh, and, and corporate events with entertainment, bands, etc., I completely understand what you're saying right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's really important to like, I know in, 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 this in this world that we live in, it's so fast paced, everybody just wants to get straight to the, um, yeah. the I, you know, it's, it, it, there really is, you're going to be working with these people Mm -hmm. Six months, 12 months, sometimes 18 months. Yeah. Um, about the day that is probably the most important day of your life. Mm -hmm. like, let's just put everything in perspective for a moment and think about why it's important that you have a conversation with each and every person that you're considering um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and taking that time out to really make sure that you make the right decision. Or mm -hmm. in your case, finding that that team member first, your wedding planner, and then going, I've always said this, like, why, why do we, um, why is the culture that we need to go book the venue before you even consult the planner? Because if you have these wild dreams about what you want to achieve with your wedding or your event, and you go book a venue that doesn't line up with that venue or that vision, and then the wedding planner has to break it to you. It's like, yeah, they, you know, for example, they only allow bands that are six pieces. They don't allow like a 12 piece band and you want a 12 piece band and now you can't have that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. You know, they don't have the space, you know, or the circuitry or whatever. So yeah. it's, it's just funny to me, like how people are um, generally rushed into trying to get a venue because yeah. you miss out on that one. All they have to do is just take an extra week or two to find the right planner first. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say too, like venues do book out really far in advance now. Like I've, I mean, even for me, like I've gotten inquiries for 2022, you know? So yeah. Um, things do book far out, but I think it shouldn't take that long to get on the phone with someone to just pick their brain really quickly. Um, when I say someone, I mean a planner. They're not going to, I mean, they shouldn't charge you for, you know, a 15, 30 minute phone call where, you know, you say, Hey, I like these venues. This is my budget. It, do you think this is feasible? What would the breakdown look like? I think that should be something that kind of sells, you know, someone. Um, but sure. yeah. And the thing that I've found interesting too, is that people aren't willing to ask for a deal. Like if you really want to go with a certain person and if it's the right fit and like, you know, maybe I really like your style and I really want to do it. Maybe I'll cut you some sort of customized package. Like I mentioned, I have those three standard packages, but I also do customized packages as well. And there's always, you know, not every vendor is negotiable. Some are, this is what it is and this is what you get, take it or leave it. But especially I think being a newer business, for me at this place in time, like maybe if I was at the point where, you know, I was booking three weddings a day and had to turn people away, I may not offer that. But at this point in time, it's like, well, I personally, for my business, I'm trying to say certain tone and, you know, style or something that if you want, you know, 
X kind of wedding you go to me if you want X kind of wedding you might go to another plan or something like that um, it, it's surprising to me <laughs> just ask questions <laughs> you have nothing to lose right and people just uh, I feel like they just treat it as if they're you know buying something on picking a box in a way you know what I mean like it's mm -hmm. like it, it should be a lot more there should be a lot more conversation. And if you really connect with someone, you're exactly right. If you really connect, if you really connect with someone, I and mean, if you're a bride or a groom listening right now, it, you know, and you're looking for a wedding planner or you're looking for a vendor or whatever, and you feel like that that encapsulates the vision for what you have for that day, then, and they're too expensive for you, you know, straight up go to them and ask and just say, hey, listen, this is where I'm at is there any wiggle room or whatever? And mm -hmm. sometimes they'll say no. I mean, yeah. sometimes these people have hard costs that they have to, uh, you know, they have to uh, deal with, um, mm -hmm. you know, but sometimes there's wiggle room and then that gives you the opportunity to really have the day that you're, uh, you know. That you envision or, or the team that you're hoping to have too. So, it's yeah. Important. Um, but how did you, now I got to ask this question because you, you said, yeah, I started this company, blah, 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 you know, early 2020, boom, like 12, 16 weddings right out of the gate. What did you do to be found? How did people go about finding you? Like, did you run ads? Did you, um, uh, I mean, did you just have like a really incredible network? Was it just something that just happened organically? And if so, please tell the world how you did it because they want to know. <laughs> yeah, a few things, <laughs> a few things. I think that, um, I've been, so I got married at um, a venue called How Farms um, here in Chattanooga, and they now have five venues up and running. When I booked them, they had two. When I got married, they had two. They now have five. Um, and so, you know, like I had actually booked that venue without seeing it. Um, I still lived in New York when I booked that venue for my wedding. And um, I just, you know, I think it was just, I was friendly with them. And I was like, hey, you know, if you ever have any budget brides who need someone, I'd be happy to help them out, you know, and not break their bank sort of thing. And um, I think, like, I'm very, very thankful to them because they have sent me a lot of referrals. Um, they That really helped to kind of get things off and running they sent me a lot of referrals um some was like it was friends i knew they were getting married it's like hey i'll plan your wedding for you you know let me use your let me use the photos you know they still gave me something but you know hey i'll you know not gonna charge you <laughs> you got an arm and a leg here let me let me help you sort of thing um so that kind of helped to get some examples going. And uh, then also I did really also pitch to people. There, there are a ton of, you know, wedding groups on Facebook and stuff. And it was, okay, someone's looking for a coordinator. Someone's looking for a planner. I'm going to pitch myself. And a few of the, a few of the weddings came from Facebook groups. Um, so it, you know, and that felt like a dead end I'll, for a long time. That kind of felt like a dead end, but then a few of them clicked and, you know, it was more 
bookings, more learning experience, getting to be at different venues. Um, I also did a like Instagram contest with a photographer here in Chattanooga too. And so that got an additional uh, wedding for the year. And I also spent some time working on my SEO and uh, around COVID, I kind of updated my website search. I also definitely, definitely, if you're starting any kind of business, whether it's wedding planning, a DJ business, a catering business, whatever it is, you definitely need to get up your Google business profile. Um, because I even, I mean, my following on social media, I think it's around, I think I have like 477 followers right now. It's not large, but most of that, I think when I started the account, it was probably at 50 and that was in January. So it's not terrible for being the amount of time it's been, but I've gotten inquiries from Instagram, from people seeing working with other vendors probably, and yeah. even just using hashtags, working on my website SEO. So around COVID, I kind of, I updated my website description and my SEO to put in like, okay, if you had to postpone your wedding or reschedule your wedding due to COVID, I will give you X percent off. Um, and so I had a few inquiries that came in from that as well. Um, so I think it's really been a combination. Yeah. So honestly, it's been a combination of how farms they really helped kickstart it all off. And I know so many vendors in Chattanooga, you'll hear people say like half of my weddings are at how farms now because they have so many amazing venues that are just very different than the typical barn that you might find in the area so there's some variety there um but they helped networking i've gotten a few referrals from other vendors that i just you know reached out to or either got to know in some way um, and have either gotten them bookings as well um, and Instagram, Facebook groups, and really just, you know, actually pitching myself and, um, Google, honestly, <laughs> it's, yeah. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of this is just like raw organic work. You're, it sounds like you're not, you haven't really spent much in, in advertising as far as like ads. And I mean, maybe you had somebody do your SEO or you did your SEO yourself. I did it on my own. Yeah. So, cause I did marketing, I'm not clueless when it comes to some of that stuff and I really could get someone to do more of it, but it's eventually, that's an eventually thing for me. Um, I, I know the value of it, but it's, it's just an eventually thing for me. And that's just my personal decision right now. And, um, I have not spent any money on ads at this point in time right now. Um, I have, uh, paid for a booth at Pink Bride, which was supposed to be in August, um, that got canceled. Um, well, not canceled, it's postponed. What Pink Bride is. So Pink Bride, yeah, um, Pink Bride is a, uh, they're, it's a company that puts on um, a bridal trade show, uh, like a expo show where vendors go and they have their own different booths. And a lot of them give away certain deals or have certain partnerships, even with, I believe some of the other vendors um, that are there too. If you go over to one booth and you book with them, you might get, you know, 20% off at another booth, something like that, um, where you can go and essentially 
talk to vendors face to face, learn about them and book them right there on the spot. I know a lot of them also still give certain deals if you, you know, book two weeks out after the event, those sorts of things too. So um, it's basically a, a, a expo show where you can meet and learn about vendors, photographers, bakers, planners, venues, um, decor companies. And um, you create your booth. Um, so anyways, <laughs> they're based in, Pink Bride is based in Knoxville, but they do, they do expo shows. I'm pretty sure it's like all throughout the Southeast. I don't believe it's only in Tennessee. I should know that, but I know they 100% do Knoxville, Chattanooga, Nashville. Um, but I do think there might be some in Alabama, I want to say. I'm blanking at the moment. Um, so I purchased a booth and because of COVID, it was, it was supposed to be in August and then it was postponed to October 17th. And now, let me double check. I believe it is January 25th. Um, I yeah, believe so, it's so January 25th. It's a really great way of, um, uh, of getting to know a lot of vendors really fast. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're a bride and a groom out there and you want to, you know, potentially go window shopping like you would a dress mm -hmm. or something on Madison Avenue, you could just do that at an expo. They have these things. Uh, yeah. Pink Bride is not the only one. Um, there's a lot of different expos that are out there. You can search for wedding expos on Google and you find a ton. Um, it's big business um, for the expo community, but um, it's also a great way to connect with new people that maybe uh, you wouldn't necessarily find in a Google search or you necessarily wouldn't find from word of mouth, you know? So um, yeah. exploring your options as a couple um, or an event coordinator that's trying to put together something specific, uh, sometimes those kinds of things are really great. Yeah. And so now Chatt the next Chattanooga Pink Bride is on January 24th, 2021 at the Chattanooga Convention Center. I think the tickets are, if you buy them early, they're like $12 a person. I think it only goes up to around 15. Don't quote me on that. Um, but I mean that whatever you spend on it, you're probably going to get your money's worth if you get some sort of deal. So that's the, that's the allure. I think one, one deal pays for everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Um, so, wow. So like, so now that we're here and we're in this like COVID world and we're like, I mean, you did such a, I mean, finding the amount of work that you did in a COVID time is pretty amazing right out of the gate. I mean, where do you see this going? Do you, uh, do you have like any long-term goals within this business as far as like um, the kind of things you want to do? Like um, maybe things you want to be known for. I mean, because obviously mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're you're hot to trot here. You're right out of the gate uh, and doing so well. Yeah. So if it were to ever be at a point where I could be choosing, well, you always choose who, who you work with, right? You always have every business owner has the right to, you know, say it's not the right fit or something along those lines. But if I was at the point where I had so many inquiries and I was having to choose between some, I would say I would want to be um, the wedding planning business that when people see um, the work or see the photos after, it's something that's a little bit different, you know, not 
extremely traditional. Someone wants something that's just a little different, whether it's, you know, a unique shape in your florals or um, a unique color scheme, that's who you're gonna go to um, versus, I guess, more traditional. I think with saying that, there is a time and place and a very classic way of doing traditional as well. And that's something that I wouldn't necessarily fully want to stray from, but I think you can still do something that's even a little bit different within traditional. Um, so just something kind of more like left of center, especially when it comes to the design. And that's sort of is what that's sort of where you feel like you sit in the Chattanooga market that you you kind of sit in this like left of center design world uh, maybe everybody else in your area. Yeah, I mean, I think that I'm sure other people could pull off. I think that I'm I can be more daring. I don't know. I think it's just the the different like upbringings, maybe. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, that kind of thing. That's a you know, that's that in itself, those experiences and 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 being involved in those two, you know, major cities versus maybe just um, being a planner that's just from Chattanooga, for example. I mean, you're going to have different experiences, feelings, thoughts, vibes all together. Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to influence probably your taste and, and also yeah. your overall vision for things. So um, that that's a cool angle. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't think there's anything that, you know, I don't think there's negative with it being more traditional, or I don't think there's, there's not a right or wrong way that you can go. It's just really preference. Like, are you someone who, who wants to do something that's a little bit out of the box? I think there's still ways that you can do things that are out of the box and still look back on them in 20, 30 years from now and still appreciate them versus them just be trends and doing things the way that you just see and you think it's trendy, you know? So, um, yeah, I think from a design element, that's kind of what my goal would be, would be to do the the weddings that are just, you know, a little bit different in some way or shape, even if it's not too different from traditional or doesn't stray that far, but just doing something different um, in terms of the business structure right now. Um, it's primarily me doing all of the planning. If you book I'm the person you're talking to throughout the whole process, but I do have a few girls who have been helping day of, um, you know, set up, set up, running the show, uh, tear down that, you know, I've hired on for, for event days. Um, in an ideal world, I would love to be able to have at least one other um, planner where it's more of a co-planning thing. I don't know you know, I'm willing to step back, but I would still always want to be involved in some sense. I don't think I could ever be to the point where it's like, you know, you don't ever talk to me <laughs> sort of thing. I think it's more fun when it's collaborative. If that means that there's two of us working on it together. Um, and, you know, the way I worked in management, um, we had, you know, a hierarchy within that team but we were all very, very involved and knew what was going on. And it was just really helpful to be able to have everyone in the loop. So if it was something that 
someone could step in and handle, they could handle it. Um, and I think that's kind of the structure that I'd like to have, but I would of course still want to be involved in like the overall design process and suggesting things. And, you know, no matter how little or, or small the task is, like I still want to be in the loop and in the, in the process <laughs> and right. in some way, even if it's someone helping and we're splitting up the responsibility. Um, from there, I mean, it would be nice to have more planners than that and to be able to be doing more weddings where, you know, I might be just going for a few hours to each wedding and, right. you know, we see how that kind of goes. But um, I think it also, you know, one, I think, I think the next year will be telling of the direction of how my business is going. And I think it's finding the right person for that as well when it when the time is right so right yeah yeah well yeah. in closing i always like to ask a bunch of quick fire questions that so people get to know you on a on a deeper level um and uh they're pg-13 or pg <laughs> so don't worry uh about that so don't be scared um so i'm gonna i'm gonna fire off some questions here and you give uh our listeners uh just some information on you. So cool. <laughs> uh, let's start um, with uh, with music. What's like your favorite band or like what are you digging on right now? What's like really feeding you? Um, so my favorite band of all time is Fleetwood Mac. And I, I love Stevie Nicks, but I always will be a Lindsey Buckingham fan first, which you can probably appreciate being a guitarist, so. Appreciate the Lindsey Buckingham. Although I gotta say, and you're gonna find this blasphemous, um, but I am a bigger Mike Campbell fan who played guitar with Tom Petty. Mm. Picked him out for the second time. Mm -hmm. I'm a much bigger fan of Mike Campbell because Mike Campbell, you know, the whole story was is that Stevie wanted to leave Fleetwood and join Tom Petty. Oh, I didn't know that, actually. So the backstory is, after they did Stop Dragging My Heart Around and all that kind of stuff, they, mm -hmm. um, she was obsessed with trying to get into Tom Petty's band. And he was like, this mm -hmm. isn't a chick operation, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, we're kind of good with just all guys. You know, that was actually yeah. his words. Um, and um, so, you know, she always wanted to sing in Tom Petty's band. And, mm -hmm. you know, but Tom Petty was just like, eh, I'm not feeling it. But yeah. they, uh, but since uh, Tom passed, um, RIP, the, um, they, and then the second split with Lindsay happened, they called Mike Campbell, the guitar player that played with Petty for years, to be in the band. And yeah. to do a tour with them. You know, I don't know if he's full-time with them now or whatever. Yeah. But, um, man, Mike Campbell is like one of the greatest pop, rock guitar players period like ever and Lindsay had a very specific sound or whatever but i'm really yeah. enjoying this era of like videos like when you go and, and you search for him playing guitar with that band it's just something different and it's really cool um, so, i'm gonna have to check it out because i haven't yet and like i was like really well now i'm not i mean i've seen fleetwood mac quite a few times right. and mm, if Lindsay buckingham's not in it Good to know. I'll check it out on YouTube before yeah, concerts start again. Smoking. I mean, he's played so great. He's one of the best parts guitar players ever, um, as far as coming up with ingenious little 
guitar hooks that you always remember, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, for goodness, for goodness sakes, I mean, Mary Jane's last dance, like he just played the chords and it's a hook. Like, you know, he's just, he's just a monster in, in the, in the, in the world of uh, being creative and book music. But um, what's the last book you read? Do you read books? Are you a book reader? I do. Um, I have gotten really slow about reading. <laughs> I, and this is what happens, you know? Yeah, it's really funny because when COVID started, I was pretty good about reading and I've just not been very good about it lately. Um, I will say one, <clears throat> one of the last books that I have spent most of this year reading is Gone Girl. <laughs> From the movie. What is that? Yeah. And so it's it's actually the book that the movie Gone Girl is based on, uh, or no, Girl on the Train. Never mind. It's not Gone Girl. It's Girl on the Train. Um, and I actually am not really so much of a fiction book person. Um, yeah, I'm not really much of a fiction book person. I'm I like biographies actually. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Right on. Well, that's cool. I like biographies too. Um, uh, I've read many music biographies, probably more than I can count. So, um, so I hear you there. Um, fascinating how people get to where they're, they get to from where they came from. Yeah. Um, the, uh, are you, you may have tipped this earlier with your sleepyhead reference, but do you prefer tea or coffee? Tea. Really? Yeah. I I can, I've never had a full cup of coffee in my life <laughs> and it makes me sick. <laughs> right now. I, feel like <laughs> I like the smell of it, but I'm all for, I like matcha tea. I loved high iced tea. Never not yep. finished an entire cup of coffee. That is just. I, I will say I've had like some, you know, mocha frappuccinos in my life and I do really enjoy them, but I, I'm just really sensitive to caffeine. So I have to be careful. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense. If you're sensitive to caffeine, if you're, if you were not sensitive to caffeine and you were just like, coffee is nothing to me, I think most people would wonder whether you're human or not. <laughs> we know now that it's a sensitivity issue, then you get a pass. But you're the first yeah. one that have said tea on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm all about tea. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's great. Um, favorite food? What's your favorite food? Um, Mexican food. Yeah, Mexican food. I've and actually that's like one plus of moving to Tennessee. Tennessee has really good Mexican food in comparison to New York. So yeah, okay. Yeah. So do you like the Americanized Mexican food more so than the, like the authentic traditional like Mexican? Uh, I like both. Um, I'm a I, think, I like them both too. I, yeah. <laughs> I like, I'm definitely the person who likes like the big wet topping burritos that you need a fork and knife to use. Um, and then I also like crispy tacos, which are not traditional Mexican, but there's a really good place downtown Chattanooga that has, I think they have really good like street tacos. Um, I know this place. I think I've been there. Is it like in that little courtyard area? Like the bread brick courtyard area or no? No, okay. no. Right. It's in the okay. south side. Okay. There was a tacos place that I went to downtown. That yeah. was, uh, I, I can't remember the name of it now. And it was like really good. Um, oh, okay. 
it's it's Taqueria Jalisco. They also do weddings too. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. Want to make this yeah. wedding planner happy? You can just hire that company to cater for you. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, she's in. Maybe at a bargain. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> are you uh, are you a sports person at all? Do you get down with sports at all? I mean, you are in Tennessee. I mean, are you uh, are you watching Tennessee football or something like that? Yeah, I will never, I'm sorry, Tennessee, but I will never uh, be a UT fan <laughs> um, because I went to USC, so I know we're not the best football team anymore, but yeah, I can't, I can't leave the Trojans, so yeah. yeah. Did, you ever, did you ever get a chance to go to the, uh, the actual, uh, the, it's the Rose Bowl, they play at the Rose Bowl, right? Uh, yeah, I never actually went to the Rose Bowl games, but um when I went to USC, I had a student pass. So we, you'd go over to the Coliseum and it was just walking distance. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty legendary venue. Um, for, yeah. For, uh, for, for concerts. Yeah. Yeah. Concerts. yeah, totally. yeah concerts too. Awesome concerts have happened there. Um, are you a beach person or a mountain person? I mean, you kind of live in the mountains now, so maybe... I, so as I've gotten older, I will, I have opened up to the beach more. I hated it as a kid, even, which is weird being from California. Um, yeah. You can appreciate it. Um, I think I prefer hiking, but I don't really do it that often. Yeah. <laughs> hiking is always one of those things for me. That's like, when I do it, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I forget that I like this. Mm -hmm. And then I, and then I tell myself, I'm going to do this more often. This is so great for my headspace and, you know, getting a solid day's worth of walking in and mm -hmm. being, you know, just mobile and, and, um, exercise sort of driven, you know, and yeah. so I forget, like I forget like immediately the next day, after, well, uh, well, two or three days later after the soreness wears off and then, yeah. <laughs> you know, then you're like, and I just totally forget. And yeah. another six months, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I like hiking. I should go do that again. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really a sports person. I've, I was, did cheerleading in middle school. I've never been on a sports team. But after college, um, I got really into boxing. I yeah. don't currently do it. It's on the list of things to get to eventually again. But, um, yeah, I like boxing. <laughs> Yeah, that uh that wilder fight um with uh uh why am i blanking on the englishman's guy's name if you ask me this five minutes from now i'll tell you the guy's name uh, oh i don't even know i've watched a few of the recent fights but i couldn't tell you the names i'm, I'm being such a horrible person who likes boxing right now anyway when wilder got uh, it was uh uh, that like shook the world. I, I thought for sure that he would uh, he would take him out, but he, he didn't have the technique to, to handle it. Um, but um, yeah, man, boxing's so great. That's a, it's kind of like a lost. I wouldn't say that's a lost art anymore, but like with the rise of MMA, which I'm not really an MMA guy. Like I mean, I appreciate people that are able to like potentially kill people in five seconds. I think that's there's some degree of like <laughs> cool for me. But like, yeah, the where I want to watch it happen on screen, like boxing seems like a much slower um, paced uh, process of, of, of yeah. you know, getting beat up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> I can handle that, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm not necessarily into somebody, uh, you know, potentially gorging somebody's eyes out and then, you know, 
that being the end of the fight it's kind of a little weird for me but mm-hmm. you know. yeah um, anyway well um hey listen Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We loved having you here, and I hope that you'll come back soon. Before I let you go, one last question, and you kind of said a nice piece of advice earlier, but has there ever been one piece of advice since you started in this business, um, you know, at any point that has sort of really been sort of like your mantra or your calling card? Is there anything like that that comes to mind? That someone has given me? Yeah, or somebody, a piece of advice you've gotten, or like maybe a something you read somewhere that like really inspired you and like continues to stay in your brain as you go through uh, good times and bad. Is there anything like that that comes to mind that's maybe uh, been that sort of driving force for you? Man, that's a hard question. <laughs> I know. I, like I kind of I mentioned some of them, you know, uh, or things that like, you know, other planners have kind of just said, but um, man, advice from one particular how do you choose like one thing that someone said i know i'm a hard I don't... <laughs> man that's kind of, kind of ending it on a weird note aren't i yeah i mean i think it's you know this is not something this isn't necessarily something that has been said directly to me but something that you know there's a lot of larger wedding and event planners that just exist in the U.S. in general Mm -hmm. and I do like to follow them along and I think a lot of them you know this is from a business standpoint that they really strongly suggest trying to find your ideal client Mm -hmm. and I think that's something that it's hard to stay on focus um you know it's hard to stay on focus in terms of finding your ideal client versus finding a client and i think that is important advice for any business owner um but even for couples who you know are looking um i think that's where it's like find your ideal team the team that makes sense for you yes cost comes into that as well but if someone you think is that ideal person you want to work with them talk to them about it um versus just writing it off if that's who's right for you so i think um really focusing on like creating the ideal team because when you do that that's only going to be more successful for your business i think as time goes on as well um so yeah and that is a great way to wrap everything. Thank you so much for being here. We think can't thank you enough, and we hope that we can get you on this again soon. And when I come to Chattanooga, I'm going to holler. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you. Sleepyhead. Yeah, right. Sleepyhead. <laughs> and maybe some tacos. <laughs> oh, please, all day. Cool. And uh, we'll talk cool. to you soon. Thanks for having me.